CLS is the weighing machine was created to help you, the financial advisor or investor, reach your long-term financial goals. Each episode, your hosts, Rusty Vanneman and I, Robin Murray, cut through the market clamor to find the time-tested principles that help investors succeed. CLS is the weighing machine is inspired by two ideas. The first is the classic investing truism attributed to Benjamin Graham, that the stock market is a voting machine in the short run and a weighing machine in the long run. In other words, emotion drives short-term market movement, but fundamentals and valuations drive returns over time. The second idea is CLS's investment methodology of risk budgeting. Represented by the scales, risk budgeting measures and manages risk to suit the needs of each investor. Welcome to CLS's The Weighing Machine. We hope you enjoy it. And as always, please let us know what you think. On the podcast today, where will the market go from here? And what's the real value add of financial advice? And a little thank you to all of you for having our back. We will also talk about the pitfalls of market timing, the best nuggets from the Credit Suisse Global Investment Returns Yearbook, and what goes into CLS's monthly perspectives. Our guest today is CLS Client Portfolio Manager Giovanni Zelaya, and my interview is with board member of Northstar Todd Clark and former CEO and president of CLS Investments. Welcome to CLS's The Weighing Machine. I'm Rusty Vanneman. And I'm Robin Murray. Okay, let's take a look at the markets. How are we looking so far? Great start to the year. Through two months of the year, uh, the stock market is basically up double digits. The U.S. market's up a little more than a double digits. International market's down a little bit, uh, under 10%. Um, the bond market is up this year, up 1%. Cash is obviously uh, not much of a return at all. Commodities are up. Alternatives are up. It's a good year for globally diversified portfolios. Cool. Great start. Yeah. Um, so you were on live TV last month. That's pretty cool. Uh, you were on Fox's Fox Business's show, Making Money with Charles Payne, and Yahoo Finance TV's shows, Midday Movers. So listeners can find links to both in Rusty's latest weekly three. Just go to clsinvest.com and you can find that. And all of our weekly threes and podcasts, um, they're all under resources. So the main question that you were asked on these shows is, where does the market go from here? Yep. I was just on these late last week and it was quite the experience. And uh, the videos are just, um, the links on the website are just excerpts from the, the interviews. And it was pretty funny. There were technical glitches that happened at both places, but it was a lot of fun. But but anyway, obviously, on the format of those shows is talking about the news of the day and how it impacts uh, the outlook moving forward. And obviously, they want to put a little sensationalism in there if they can. But when it comes to the outlook question, uh, I think it was on one of those. I did say, of course, it, it really depends on the time frame. And nobody really knows short term, which isn't the most attractive answer to them. But it really depends. I think if you're linking long term, like 10 years or plus, you have to be bullish. You have to be bullish on the economy. You have to be bullish on the markets. That's just been the strong historical tendency through thick and thin. You know, even when there's geopolitical unrest, when valuations are high, just almost every environment, you're still going to get positive returns over that time frame. So we're still bullish there. Uh, but more importantly, they really want to know about this year and shorter term. But when it comes to this year, I think you still have to be positive, despite the fact we've had a 10% plus return, um, partly because, you know, the fourth quarter of last year was so bad. And, and usually the market's cyclical nature. When you get a drop off like that, you get a sharp rebound. It is a third year of a presidential cycle. So the year after the midterm and before the big election, it's usually a pretty good year for the market. The Federal Reserve has become much more friendly. And 
and there appears to be no signs of a recession anywhere near. So, okay, a lot to feel positive about. But another question that you posed in your weekly three was how much of that potential has already been realized this year? You, you mentioned we've already seen double-digit returns, and that's not very common. No, it's true, because the average return for the stock market, again, it depends who you're talking to and what time frame they're looking at. But kind of that rule of thumb, average return for the stock market is about 8 to 10% per year, and we already realized that. Um, so I still actually, for all the reasons I mentioned, I think we're going to have a pretty good year this year. But shorter term, when I say shorter term, we're talking the weeks and immediate months ahead. I think it would be very reasonable for the market to sort of pause and just sort of refresh and kind of take a step back. It's very natural, normal for it to do that, particularly after a sharp return like that. Um, but you know what, investors, it's just prudent to always expect the market to perhaps have a loss in the near term. And again, as I always say, it's if you have a near term bill that needs to be paid, you should not have any money exposed to the stock market right now. So anyway, I actually think it would be fairly reasonable to expect the market to kind of pause here in the weeks ahead. Right. Okay. Well, based on what we've seen so far, and as you say, what we expect for the year um, and the immediate and not so immediate term, what should investors do? Draw back or dive in? Well, I think if I'm saying the market's on a pause, maybe take a step back. Some people might say, then I should do something. And really, the answer is really, really do nothing. I mean, if you're working with an advisor, your portfolio is already appropriate. It's already been designed with your goals and risk tolerance in mind. It's already been designed for sort of those all-weather market conditions. And right now, to, to increase exposure to the stock market really is the chase performance, which is easily the, uh, and, and very significantly, but, but the second biggest mistake investors make. And as for the first biggest mistake, right. I'll talk about it next month. How about that for a tease? <laughs> all right. But so, so anyway, that's basically what we, we counsel here at CLS all the time is not to chase performance. And on that point, I would like to say that, you know, what we do here at CLS Investments and even and just more particularly the investment management team is we're not just manufacturing a rate of return, though that's really important. It's all the other stuff that we do. It's all the communication, including this podcast. It's our client service. It's our client portfolio managers like Geo. It's all the things that that we do create an experience. And I like to say that it's sort of like, it's like a restaurant. You know, a restaurant, it isn't just about the food on the plate, though the food on the plate has to be good, right? Mm -hmm. But it's really about all the other stuff that goes into it. And that's really what we're trying to do here is we're trying to create a good experience that people want to keep coming back to. I would say probably the only difference is that unlike a restaurant, which may be trying, most restaurants anyway, are trying just to enhance the dining experience, we are trying to make people eat their broccoli and their vegetables a lot, you know, trying to do the right thing. But uh, but anyway, so what we do is really just much more than manufacturing a rate of return. Okay. And well, and that counts is, of course, our value add, and in turn, the value add of financial advisors, as we've talked about. So let's bring in our guest, Client Portfolio Manager Giovanni Zulaya. Gio wrote about the value of financial advice in his weekly three from a couple weeks back. Gio, welcome to CLS is the Weighing Machine. Happy to be here. So you wrote about the changing environment in the world of financial advising. Investors can open their own brokerage accounts online. They can check stock prices. They can basically access any information. So what does that leave for the financial advisor? A lot. And I'll get to that shortly. Just first, a quick shout out to some advisors that I met in the past month, who I consider my friends, uh, Rick here in Nebraska, Bill in upstate New York, Johnny and Carmela down in Texas, David in Colorado, and of course, Mr. Ronnie in North Carolina. These people that I've met, they, they have a dedication to their craft, their profession, their clients. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a passion to helping their clients reach their financial goals. 
And uh, some of these clients, if not all, are their friends, so they make it even more personal. But at the same time, uh, these individuals are running a business. They're paying their employees. They're paying taxes. They're giving back to the community. So they do charge for their services. So, yes, in the times that we live in where you can just pull out your smartphone, check a stock price, or even get investment advice, even if it's not as not very accurate, you can do that on your smartphone. So is the, the cost um, – of having a financial advisor worth it. And from all the studies that I've read, and including the ones that I cite in the, the article, it's the, the answer is an emphatic yes. And so I, I, I cite a couple of articles inside the, uh, a couple of reports in the, in the article. First, I start with Vanguard, and they wrote, putting a value on your value, and they say that a financial advisor can add up to 3% in net returns. Uh, of course, this 3% uh, might not be on a consistent annual basis and that the benefits might be lumpy. And they say that the most significant opportunities for value add is during market, when the market is uh, during extreme greed or fear. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the largest component within the 3% uh, Vanguard states is by helping investors stay disciplined in, within their investment plan that they originally started. Uh, something that Rusty touched on earlier, and providing guidance of staying staying the course. Uh, a couple of other uh, reports I read uh, was Morningstar's paper of alpha, beta, and now gamma. Um, Morningstar defines gamma as just the additional income achieved by by someone by making smart financial planning decisions, and these are things that a financial advisor can do for for their client, and that can add up to 1.8%. Uh, Ion Hewitt and Financial Engines also conducted other studies in 06 and 08 and found that participants who receive advice um, uh, received uh, over 1.8% uh, per, uh, return over those participants who didn't receive any returns. And during extreme volatility in the markets, 08 and 09, they saw returns of up to 3%. And so it's really uh, it's something that financial advisors kind of stress already. Um, of course, in the client statements, they don't track the benefits of talking to clients about staying the course. Um, but the wealth creation is real. Um, I think the last study that I point out in, the, in my article was uh, from the Investment Funds Institute of Canada. And they kind of show a chart that I put in the in my article where the longer you receive financial advice compared to someone who is not receiving any any advice from a financial advisor, uh, their assets are actually uh, they start to accumulate even higher uh, because they do stick with the plan. They st- do stick with the with the process that the financial advisor is. Is, is providing to them. And this the last line of my article, and I got this one from, from you, Robin, so thanks for this. So the prudent financial advice is like working out. You might not notice an improvement after the first day, but over time, the results can really add up. We're going to get people eating broccoli and working out, though. A lot of healthy <laughs> habits here. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, and Gio, you wrote your weekly three in, conjunct- in conjunction with uh, Michael Haddon, an investment research analyst here at CLS. And he wrote about market timing, which is something many investors can be tempted to fall into, particularly when they don't have the counsel of financial advisors. Uh, Michael did some research to determine the kinds of returns an investor could have missed out on if they were out of the market for basically any length of time between 2008 and 2018. What did he find? Michael is very smart, very thoughtful. I admire him very much. And he found uh, that if you were investing between 08 and 2018, so the 11-year period, 
And if you miss the best performing day, then your annualized returns would drop from 7.25% down to 6.19%. So and that's just missing one day. And that really turns into real dollars as, as well. He points out in his article, if you started, invest, if you started with $10,000 on January 1st, 2008, and stayed invested uh, throughout that 11-year time period, you would have ended with $21,600. And... Um, and if you missed that best performing day, which was October 13th of 2008, uh, then uh, your final returns would be $19,360. So just sitting out that one day would cost you more than $2,200. And you might think that would be uh, very unlikely to miss the best day, uh, but uh, the eight days before October 13th, the market was down close to 22%. And... Uh, following October 13th, uh, the, the market was down 9% as well. And so if you're a market timer, it, it would have really hurt you to miss that best day. And um, that's why we, we preach here at CLS to stay invested, stay the course, uh, because it, it helps uh, throughout that time. Hey, just a couple quick points I want yeah, to make on yeah, that. Yeah, so uh, well, obviously, that's a really cool study. But, you know, Michael did put it in real dollar terms. That means inflation adjusted, which mm. is really the important thing for us as investors. But he made it sound like well, there's two big takeaways. One is, you know, a lot of people have been in cash that whole time. And cash is basically returned nothing. And basically, as he showed, your money more than doubled in purchasing power over that time frame by investing. That's really powerful. But the, the bull market actually has been much stronger than that. I think I read where uh, the market is up 400% since the bull market began. And it's amazing how many people have not truly participated mm-hmm. in it. But anyway. Yep. So, and um, as we've said here before too, there are really no good examples of someone timing the market successfully over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael also included another chart that shows examples of missed returns over a few days during that same 11-year period. Um, and there are just really significant reductions. Walk us through some of those, Gio. Yeah, if you miss the best five days during that period, your returns are cut by 50%. Miss the best 12 days, uh, your returns are down from 7% down to uh, zero to slightly negative. Uh, So it is bad luck to miss on the best days, uh, but that's not really extraordinary. What we see, um, the best market return days often closely follow the worst ones. And that October 13th, if you can imagine, 11.5% on that one day. Uh, But again, it was a really volatile time to stay invested in the market. But what we uh, see and what Michael also points out, that during the 80 years of market history, investors have a better chance for positive returns, staying invested, staying the course. Uh, The little lesson here is uh, a little time out of the market can make a big difference. Right. You know, I got to jump in here. Again, I know. I've jumped in a lot here. (laughs) But, you know, Robin, you did write a section of the weekly. Too. I did, yeah. yeah. Can you talk first. about the value that, that you come to realize in financial advising? You've been here for how many years? Five years Four, now? Well, Four? Yeah, just about five. Years. So oh, yeah. what have you learned? A what lot. did you write about? I've learned a lot. I mean, basically, I had no experience or background in finance at all when I started here. I didn't know the difference between a stock and a bond, literally. <laughs> <laughs> so when I first started reading all the stuff that you guys were writing, I was like, what are you talking about? There was a lot of jargon I had to sort through when I first started. Um, obviously, I helped the PMT team write their blogs and all their commentary. But I've learned a lot, not just about finance and the amazing amount of data data and real-world application that this team is able to grasp and intelligently communicate, but about the people on the team and the people in this industry. 
you know, I know what you were probably thinking. You probably thought we're all like Gordon Gecko types, you know, just money driven. Just a nice way to put it, right? <laughs> right. I did. And I'm sure there are many people who are drawn to finance because they want to make money. And that's totally okay, obviously. Um, but what I've realized from working with the PM team and also talking to so many of our advisors is that there's just such a bigger motivation. Um, really, these are people who do what they do because they want to help other people. So it means something to the team at CLS and to our clients that the work that they do is helping other people reach their goals. So I feel grateful to have come to know the people at CLS and the advisors that we work with and to know that for people like me who do not have a background in investing or finance or portfolio management or any of that, that there are people who are just incredibly smart and knowledgeable and they want to help us yeah. with our most important goals. Those are our hopes and our dreams for our future, our financial goals. And that's comforting to know. Uh, you know, thanks. I, I thought it was a really nice piece and it's really nice to hear you say it too. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, people do come into industry, into industry for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think it does attract people who are competitive. You know, I think that's a, that's a big aspect. People like to keep score and Money is part of it, um, but there is genuine intellectual curiosity that people have. Right. But there really is that genuine stewardship aspect. And you know, as as we we talk about in the upcoming interview, and you helped me write about um, the book Higher Calling, mm-hmm. which I don't get paid on, so I'm not being money driven by bringing it up. <laughs> right. But you know, as Todd Clark, you know, in the upcoming interview talks about too, it's um, you know, it's we have a higher purpose than just making money. You know, it's really about helping investors and helping advisors help investors. So anyway, yeah, it was a great piece. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And thank you for teaching me that you guys are not all, you know. <laughs> I do remember one of those early podcasts that you just nailed it. And it's like, you sounded way smarter than me. And at the end, you asked me a question. It's like, what does this mean? It's like, wow, she's good. <laughs> I've learned to, yeah. I don't want to use a bad word, but BS basically. But no, I have learned a lot. And it's, it's good that I know I'm like slightly literate in finance now. I feel better about that. But yeah, yeah it's still, you guys are just really smart and it's nice to be around you, honestly. Oh, From all the PMs, we're really grateful for you editing our papers because we're very sloppy and you make us sound better than we actually are. So thank you so much for that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Oh, it's a mutual appreciation society yeah. on this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's switch gears and talk about something yeah, else. Yeah, enough of that. Um, stuff. Yeah, this is just getting too gooey. <laughs> Um, So two other subjects that you wrote about in your weekly three, Rusty. One is the release of the Credit Suisse Global Investment Returns Yearbook. yearbook. Mm -hmm. This is the annual update of the Triumph of the Optimists. Um, Mm -hmm. It's an important report that's widely read. What are some of the big takeaways this year? Yeah, I did talk about a couple resources, which I think are important. And over the years, people really do use these and do like these, and particularly if they've not heard of them. So like the Credit Suisse Global Investment Returns Yearbook, uh, again, it is the update of the book that came out 10 plus years ago called Triumph of the Optimist. But a lot of takeaways in this, and also... there are some kind of white papery sort of articles up front, which I think are pretty good. But what's really cool is um, the publication has like one page on each uh, country, like the United States or China or the United Kingdom or France or Germany, just one page on their historical experience in the markets. And it's actually a pretty user-friendly page, so it's pretty cool, which I think is not only interesting from an intellectual curiosity standpoint, but actually can be used in the counseling function when talking to people about the markets. But anyway, obviously stocks return more than bonds. And bonds return more than cash, very important messages for long-term investors that might seem self-evident, but sort of that relationship is that stocks usually beat um, the cash by 3 or 4% a year. We've seen bigger returns lately, so it is important to kind of manage expectations. 
The maturity premium, which basically means the difference between long-term bonds and cash, is about 1% per year uh, historically. And again, I think a lot of people would say only 1% for all that volatility. But really, as for a long-term investor, it still makes sense to be in bonds, and I think there's a compelling argument for it. There was a lot of material in this year's yearbook about emerging markets, and again, not just about how it, they enhance returns, but also um, investing in emerging markets creates a material portfolio risk reduction, which is important. And again, it talks about how emerging markets are 70% of the world's population, 60% of the world's inflation-adjusted economy, but only 12% of the stock market. So kind of the implied message is you will see the emerging markets account more for our stock market over time. But just really my last takeaway on this again, and this is kind of a little tidbit, and some advisors have taken me up on this over the years, is again, this annual yearbook is, um, it is based on the Triumph of the Optimist book. And I have found that the book is a little on the expensive side, but it is a great little coffee table book to have or a book to have on the desk, particularly mm-hmm. when an advisor is sitting down with an investor and just kind of talking about how the markets work over time. And people have bought it and put it on their coffee tables, and, and so it's a really great resource. Yeah. All right. Well, finally, you wrote about a publication that we produce, CLS Monthly Perspectives. It's one of our most important and popular communications. So what's the backstory behind it? You know, it's it's something that's really grown a lot over the years. Um, and it's I guess the important thing is it's really been advisor-driven. So virtually every page has been crafted by feedback we've gotten from advisors and investors over the years. But in short, it really illustrates how CLS builds portfolios and what our current thinking is. So you always know what we're thinking of doing in the portfolios. That's really important because investor experience. Part of it is about minimizing surprises, that that, that we're not going to do something that you did not expect. So it's, again, it's, every page is sort of a standalone page. So not every page every advisor uses, but a lot of advisors will take the monthly perspectives and maybe use a page or two, and uh, it's been a, a pretty valuable resource. One thing I like to talk about is, and actually this is a meeting that GEO runs, but we do meet every month for the monthly perspectives meeting. And I like to call it the most interesting meeting of the month because it's where we have some of our best debates. Mm -hmm. I like to call it creative tension Mm -hmm. is what I like to call it. Um, But I really, really want to say that we reward uh, contrarian thinking and people thinking outside the box because we actually give an award each month for the person who has the most outside-the-box thinking. It's called the Maverick Award. It's Mm -hmm. the highest award you can get. And then the person who is most in consensus, least likely to change, or the most neutral is the WIMP Award. So that's obviously the one you don't want. Um, and then we also actually check to see how our forecasts do over time. And the best forecaster over the last 12 months is got the Wizard Award. And then the one with the worst predictions over the last 12 months is called The Economist. So you can see how we use economic inputs directly into our process. But but anyway, it covers a lot of stuff. Do you want to you talk about some of the stuff that it, that it covers? I mean, some of the things? Sure. Um, you use this tool probably as much as anybody on the team. Yep. Uh, so many people touch this report. It's not just a PM team. Uh, we have some uh, marketing who helps a ton with this. So thank you so much for them. Uh, but we start with uh, just kind of just talking about risk budgeting, what that's about. Uh, it's our foundation and then goes into our uh, three CLS investment themes, uh, what really brings together all of our strategies. Uh, then we look into our, our market outlooks from both from a stock and bond perspective. Uh, we have a couple of pages on the investment continuums. We have 10 of them uh, kind of to, to show how we're 
changing our, our, our outlook on these different areas of the market on a 12-year, uh, one-year basis. And so, and then we also have alternatives, outlook, um, fixed income, and equity sectors that, um, that look at all the different sectors from both a fixed income and equity standpoint. Yeah, cool. absolutely. There's a lot of stuff on there. Yeah. All right. Well, we do invite our listeners to check it out at clsinvest.com. They can find it there. Um, and that's going to do it for this part of the podcast. We'll say goodbye to our guest, Giovanni Zelaya. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So next up is Rusty's Q&A. Today he talks to Todd Clark, who's the former CEO of CLS Investments and also a board member of Northstar. So let me see here. So I, there's so many things you can say about Todd and kind of the intro here. So well, first of all, he is the first repeat guest in terms of the interview section. He's completely worthy of it. Again, as you said, he is a board member of North Star. He, is, uh, he was the former CEO and president of CLS. He has spent his whole life around CLS because his dad, Patrick, started the firm, and, he's, and Todd has been instrumental in the growth of the firm. I have to admit, he, he hired me. Yeah. Uh, he is still involved. He is on the Advisor One board. So again, Advisor One is our proprietary mutual funds. He is on the investment committee. Um, and you know, the important thing about Todd is... While he's not here on the day-to-day, is that I think it's really important, as I like to tell people, to keep the C in the CLS. And, you know, there are certain attributes about Todd which I think are really important to maintain. And if you've met Todd and know Todd, I'm sure a lot of people are listening do know Todd, is that obviously his energy, his enthusiasm, his entrepreneurial um, attitude – uh, his advisor first um, mentality. He's very positive. I mean, those are all attributes that I, I want people to still know CLS mm-hmm. to be about. Right. And so, anyway, I think it's a great interview and enjoy. Cool. Well, Todd, you are the first repeat guest on the CLS is the Wang Machine. So, welcome. I hope that's a good thing. No, Rusty. it's a great thing. It's Thank a great you. Thing. Thanks for having me. I and, appreciate it. And a year from now, I want to be able to say you are our most common guest. And two years from now, and three <laughs> years from now, you're going to keep coming back. So, of course, with me today is board member of North Star Financial and former president and CEO of CLS Investments, Todd Clark. Todd, welcome. Thanks, Rusty. It's uh, I'm a avid fan. Enjoy listening while I'm on the treadmill, and so it's an honor to be here right. a second time. Awesome. Well, how are you? What are you up to these days? You know, I'm staying busy. Um, yeah. I enjoy my role on the board at North Star um, with the recent acquisition of FTJ that was completed. Um, yeah. There's a lot of moving parts still, and a lot of growth that's happening in the industry, and um, I, I enjoy. Uh, staying involved, even if it is at a 30,000-foot level yeah. um, on the board. And then I'm, I'm also doing a lot of family office-type functions uh, with my mom and, and siblings from uh, estate planning-type roles to philanthropic roles. And uh, I've enjoyed uh, getting a little more involved in the community and um, uh, being involved at a different in a different way and at a different level than I have. And then I've also enjoyed um, just taking some time off a little bit and yeah. slowing down. Um, you know, we I went pretty hard for almost 30 years, and, and so it's nice to slow down and uh, uh, smell the roses uh, a little bit. So it's nice. I can only imagine you're slowing down. It's not really that slow. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm In a lot of ways, I'm busier than I, I was, but I'm busier doing things that I 
uh, enjoy and I'm passionate about. And yeah. so um, it's fun. I'm, I'm enjoying some I got to say, away. you've always been youthful and looked youthful, but you look even younger right now. <laughs> well, I did spend some time in Scottsdale yeah. uh, this winter. And so uh, the sun helps. Yeah. Uh, it helps. A little vitamin D uh, doesn't hurt anyone. And so it's been a long, hard winter here in Omaha. And so it's, it's nice to uh, it it's nice to get away and, and see the desert sun. I should point out, you are still involved with CLS Investments in a couple of formal ways, of course. You're still on the Advisor One board, so our proprietary mutual fund. You're still very active in that. And also the CLS Investment Committee, you're still a member as well. So you're still involved. You still read the stuff, watch the Absolutely. stuff. And I'm Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think it's in, it's in, gets in your blood, right? And it's hard just to completely walk away from that. And I really enjoy uh, being on the Advisor One board and also involved with the Investment Committee it makes you feel like you've got your finger on the pulse and yeah. you kind of know a little bit about what's going on. And I think there's some exciting things that uh, you're directing from the investment committee standpoint. It, this industry is changing and it changes rapidly and you can't really let the grass grow under your feet. You got to keep keep on top of things. Well, that's something I definitely want to riff on in a moment. But the one thing I want to do is just a little bit of history lesson. Now you've told this story so many times. You've even told <laughs> on this podcast before. But just in case, you know, we have a first time listener of you on the Wang machine, but just the history of CLS. Yeah, you know. Um, from your perspective. Yeah, from from. You were there from the beginning. I was there. I was yep. there. And you know, my, my dad started out as a financial planner in Omaha, in the Midwest. Um, I joined him in 1992, really with the intentions of helping him with his retail financial planning business, mm -hmm. uh, which it was a challenging uh, task. One, I didn't know what financial planning was, but two, uh, working with uh, older successful people when you looked 14 that was that was a disadvantage from me for me from day one yeah. um, shortly after we started uh, we received a call from Mark Goldberg who was the president of our broker dealer which was called integrated resources at the time and he spoke to us about taking our business model and presenting it to his advisors at integrated resources my father had a unique business model. The business model was a fee-based business model, which was pretty revolutionary and pioneering in the early 90s that he had started way back in the 80s. Um, and Mark Goldberg felt like that there was some uh, there was some hope that this business model might become the favored business model over time. And so he thought that it'd be best if we could go out and talk to his advisors about that business model. And so I departed from my very minor role in my father's retail financial planning business and started to knock on the doors of advisors across the country, talking to them about a fee-based model. And along the way, if they wanted to put assets with us, um, we would manage those assets. And wow. that's, that's really how we got started, um, was just knocking on one door at a time and talking to one advisor at a time. And from there, it's grown to, to where it is today, including other entities like Orion and, and other things that uh, we have here at North Star. It's been amazing. So actually, I was just reading, I mean, it seems like the whole fee-based advisory model has been around. I've been involved in it too since the early 90s, and it just seems so standard to me. But I was reading the other day that most investment retail dollars are still not under the fee-based. So it's been a big wave, but it's still, it's still got so much more growth to I think to there's go. a tr tremendous amount of opportunity still in the fee-based model. Yeah. Um, as more and more 
uh, clients and individual investors realize the importance of having a fiduciary that is willing to sit on the same side of the table as them mm -hmm. and is willing to uh, have their best interest in mind, I think you're going to continue to see this fee model uh, continue to, yeah. to grow. Um, I'm always amazed when I run into an advisor who either hasn't heard of the fee-based model or has zero assets in a fee-based model. I'm like, where, where have you been? But, yeah. but in reality, you're exactly right. There's yeah. so many assets out there that are still under an old commission-based uh, model. Yeah. And, and I, think, I don't think the commission-based model will go away. I, I think there's a time and a place for that, and certain types of assets are more appropriately uh, handled under that way. Yeah. But for the average investor, I think this fee-based model makes a lot of sense. So coming back to CLS Investments, in so you've been here since the beginning, what do you think were kind of the key factors to our success, and what do you think the key factors will be moving forward to being successful? Yeah, I'm glad you asked what the key factors were to our success because we've had a lot of failures, right? We've had yeah. a lot of times where we've made mistakes. And as I look back, um, one of the things that was really unique about CLS is that we were advisors. We were advisors who understood what it felt like to sit on that side of the desk and to meet with clients. That's really where we got our start, um, and that's, um, that's in our blood. It's who we are. And so when we would go out and meet with other advisors across the country, we were able to kind of lock arms with them and say, you know what? We understand you. We, we know what it's like to be an advisor. And so a word you hear thrown around a lot, I think, is that advisor-centric, right? And, yeah. But that is really important. And that was a clear advantage that CLS had and still has today is that our roots are are there with the advisor. Um, we, we're we're an asset management firm that started out as an advisor, not an asset management firm that started out as a, a money management firm. Yeah, and yeah. so having those roots, I think, is is um, is is why we've been successful. And yeah. I think it's key to our success going forward. We can't forget uh, who we are and where we came from. Um, and when, if we forget that advisor, um, we won't be able to continue to help the individual clients. Yeah, and right so on. keeping those roots, I think, is really remembering who we are is really important. Um, you know so many people and so many people know you. And, and you also have a lot of awesome stories. Do you have a story or two, like a good client story, an advisor story that you could share? Anything come publicly? Publicly, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the, you know what? Being a being on the road, nearly a hundred thousand miles of a year up in the air um, for twenty plus years, you have just an unbelievable opportunity to meet with advisors and their clients day in and day out. And so uh, you see a lot of good, you see a lot of bad, you see some beautiful things, some ugly things. Um, but for me, one of the moments that was kind of an aha moment for me was uh, doing a 401k enrollment. Um, a 401k enrollment is and can be a difficult task. You, you often have paperwork that you need to get signed within a timely and efficient manner, and you're meeting with uh, directly with clients um, or employees of, of a company. 
And uh, one that I'll, I'll never forget is uh, uh, we did a 401k enrollment in a hospital in Marquette, Michigan, uh, which is in the Upper Peninsula of, of uh, Michigan. I hear it's an absolutely beautiful place, but I was there in February. <laughs> and in February, the sun went down about 3.30, um, and it was cold, and it was snowy. And the enrollment that we did was 36 straight hours. So you have shifts in that hospital. And so I was used to doing enrollments that maybe you would do one during the lunch hour uh, to get all the employees. This one was continual for 36 hours. And so an advisor and I went 36 straight hours in this hospital cafeteria and and met with those employees. And the aha moment for me was how many of those nurses and technicians approached me during that 36 hours and said, hey, I, I don't have a lot, but I have a question. Do you, will you take the time to, can I ask you this quick question? And they were simple questions, but it, it, it made me realize that in this business, we're there to help people accomplish their retirement goals or their investing goals or whatever they they want uh, to do. And it, it's not just a, I think there's a stick, there's, there's sort of a, uh, a feeling out there that we only help the rich or we only help the mm-hmm. rich get more rich or the wealthy become more wealthy. Mm-hmm. And in that 401k enrollment, I realized, wow, we're, we're helping the average Joe become a better investor and to be a, a more wise steward with the the, uh, the assets and the investments that they have. And it means as much to them as it does to a, a wealthy business owner or whatever. Uh, that if not more is. in some ways. If not more. Yeah, yeah. And that was an aha moment for me. And, and you know, that kind of gets back to things that made CLS successful. It's remembering who we are and what we're really doing. Um, and you can lose sight of that if, you're, if you don't have those connections. So I'll never forget that trip to, to Marquette and the February in the bitter cold. Now I hear summer there is beautiful, <laughs> which is like two weeks in July. Yeah. But that, um, that time in Marquette at that hospital for 36 straight hours, I really felt like I was making a difference. Um, yeah. and, and helping those those in those hospital staff and nurses and technicians and and uh, I think it's important that we remember those those yeah. things. Uh, that's so well said. I mean, we do more than just manufacture a rate of return. Obviously, we have to build good portfolios, but that's almost that's not even the biggest part of it. It's everything else that goes around it in terms of creating those good investor experiences. So I hear you. Um, well. Gosh, I guess my next couple of questions are probably, I mean, in a way, you probably even answered that a little bit, but what are you most proud of at accomplishing at CLS in all your years that you were here? You know, uh, in some ways we've touched on it, but I think that role of the advisor and, uh, as you wrote in your book, it really is a calling mm-hmm. um, for that advisor and making that role relevant. I think too often... Um, as you mentioned, we just kind of boil everything down to return and risk. And there is so much more involved, and it's so much more complicated to navigate that investment road. You have regulation, you have taxes, you have education, you have uh, aging parents that need 
uh, someone to care for them. You have, at least in my situation now, children that don't seem to be leaving the house quick enough <laughs> or that come back. And those that causes your plan to have to change and it has to be flexible. And having an advisor who not only just understands rate of return and investment risk, but can understand um, the complexity of life that happens, I think is is paramount. And yeah. so I, I think what um, I, I, don't, I don't I think what I'm most proud of is is that we always want to keep that that role of that advisor at at the utmost and and of of, of the importance of it. Yeah. And there's a temptation I think to uh, use a robo advisor. There's a temptation to to uh, dummy it down to an automatic kind of autopilot role. And it's just back to a number. And yeah. it's back to that number. And yeah. it's so much more than than that. And so going forward, I think the future for advisors is wonderful. Yeah. But they have to remind clients what their role is. And it can be a slippery slope for an advisor to dummy their role down just to return, yeah. just to performance, just to uh, risk and managing that risk. And the advisor has to fight that and and remind those clients of how important their role really is. Wow, well said. Um, what do you miss most? I mean, you're still active. You know, I'm still active. I'm still, still, active. I'm still active and I'm still involved. Yeah. You know, I, obviously, um, I don't know, I, I'm, on my best days, I am a people person. So I miss the water cooler talk, right? I miss yeah. hanging out and and uh, uh, listening to what everybody did on the weekends and, and uh, uh, listening to what's going on in, in our uh, uh, people that we work with and in their lives and uh, things. I miss that. And I definitely miss the connection to advisors. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's such a privilege to have worked for CLS for so long and to meet with these advisors that are entrepreneurs. They uh, hang a shingle out and run their own business, do their own thing, and um, see the good and the bad and the ugly with running their own business. And it's such a privilege to be able to meet with people that uh, are kind of bootstrapping it and uh, putting things together as they bring value to to clients. So yeah. clearly, I, I miss the the water cooler talk, and I definitely miss the uh, the being connected to advisors yeah. uh, at the level that I was. You did touch upon this a little bit, but kind of just the future of our industry. You know, I, I think it's, we're going to have to fight for it. Yeah. I think we're going to have to fight. There is so much in the press and in uh, millennial minds out there that a computer can provide what a human advisor does. And uh, in many ways, I think advisors are going to have to remind clients yeah. of that uh, in their role, but I also think they have to embrace technology at the same time and not shy away from it. Um, and so I think the future is bright, but it's going to become uh, more challenging for advisors uh, to play an effective role with clients' lives. Yeah. So it's exciting. I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. 
Well, Todd, I want to thank you. First of all, I want to say thanks for, well, first of all, for hiring me, for coming here to sell us <laughs> That was a while ago. It was a while ago. And also, I was going to bring this up, but you already brought it up, but thanks for making me write that book that took so long to get done. You know, trying to find the time to write a book is always, you should write a book. Maybe that's what I'll do with my time now, right? Oh, like, yeah, write like a book. Your free time. No, you but I, th- that all book st- about the calling of an advisor is, is I think, is a good reminder for all advisors to read about to remind them of the importance that they are in their clients' lives. Yeah. And so I'm excited for you in the future of CLS as you lead CLS forward as the president in these times. Yeah. I think the future's bright. We've yeah. got the right guys steering the ship. Well, thank you all. As, I, as I've mentioned to many people at CLS, I want to keep the C in CLS. People do business with us for a reason. It's our, sort right. of our energy. It's our vibe. It's our attitude. And all kind of came from, from you and your father. So I want to maintain well, that you. as much as I thank possibly you. can. Well, do you have any closing words for us? No, I think I think uh, we've we pretty much summed it up. And yeah. remembering where CLS came from and the importance of that advisor, I think if we can do that, our future's bright. Awesome. Well, thanks, Todd. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, that's going to do it for this week. Rusty, take us out with your final thoughts. I have two things. Oh, two things. Two things, hey. not just one. Well, first of all, we just talked about the monthly perspectives, and there is a link to subscribe to it. Okay. And so it's clsinvest.com which you mentioned before, but backslash subscribe. It's pretty tricky. So anyway, subscribe to that. You get monthly perspectives and a lot more, whatever you want, really. And the second thing is stay balanced. All right. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening to CLS is the Weighing Machine, and thank you for your time and trust in CLS Investments. CLS is the Weighing Machine is hosted by Rusty Vanneman, Chief Investment Officer at CLS Investments, and me, Robin Murray, freelance writer and editor. If you have questions or feedback about our podcast today, please send us a note at rusty.vanneman at clsinvest.com.